Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name's Gerns, and I'm joined here. You may have forgotten about her, actually. You might know who knows she is, but her name's Simran. She she used to present on this show. Like, welcome back. <laughs> Shade. I, had, I, had, like, I don't really get opportunities to throw shade like that but like you like <laughs> every second of that um all seriousness guys and simran has been completing her masters right i'm going on another hiatus yeah I'm I, out. Mean, I mean you actually are you go you've finished your masters and now you're going on holiday again hence why i'm here <laughs> and and to make up for it, i'm gonna do a birthday stream yeah that is true like i'm looking forward to that but anyway how are you how is it to be on the other side of your masters it feels fantastic it feels absolutely unreal i yeah it was i was kind of in a place where like i remember in the i think i was home for like just under three weeks before i submitted it and i was really trying to do anything i could to make me happy i was like practicing gratitude i was doing mindfulness i was doing affirmations i've never done any of that in my life yeah and i was like I was in such a bubble where I was like, oh my God, like every day is the same. Every day is like just killing me out here. I was not enjoying my life. It was so like rough. It was rough, man. But obviously it was part of the process. And I have to remember that, you know, it's an opportunity to grow and learn. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, like honestly, it was so stressful. Uh, honestly, like all the like mindfulness stuff aside, oh my god, I was so stressed. <laughs> yeah. When did you actually hand it in then? The eighteenth of September, because they gave us a twenty-four hour extension because the Queen died. Um, so it was due on the twentieth. It was first. It was due on the nineteenth. Then they moved it to twentieth, and then I actually, but I submitted on the Sunday. I mean, even though you were unemployed at that point anyway, but you managed to enjoy the bank holiday. Oh yeah. Um, did you watch the funeral? Um, we're on radio, so I will say, yes, I did witness the funeral. I didn't actively put it on. but So basically, because I, I work freelance, so I was actually booked to work on the 19th of September before the Queenie even um, became ill. Um, so that didn't change. So I was actually working, um, but the like I was at my anchor's house and it was on in the background so it was just kind of a bit like I witnessed it but honestly like I don't I don't want to <clears throat> get too much into it but let's just say it was it was quite long like God, it was long yeah. but it was interesting and we'll leave it at that yeah close the chapter on that <laughs> but, um, anyway. but honestly we only just got back to normalcy it's been it September was so weird because of all that like it actually was like I do feel like it just feels like it didn't happen at the same time mm. it was everywhere all over the tv you couldn't switch the news there was no news of yeah. anything else for I don't know until the funeral or something yeah and then I think they did the occasional story on something that was happening across the world and um other than that it was all we had to like look I at just, and like consume yeah. media wise and then after the funeral it was kind of like nothing happened yeah, it just kind of had to ease back into life. But it just—it makes me feel like if this was like fifty years ago, like what would it be like? But then I suppose we have to remember that fifty years ago there wasn't so much 
means to consume like on our phones and whatnot like, like would we all be wearing black and would we all be like really sad and outside buckingham palace i mean this, this is such dangerous territory okay. I, I, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say what's your opinion on people waiting like 20 hours in the queue to go to go to see the coffin so the thing is right i've seen so many tweets that have kind of pointed out that whilst it's like so many people in the terms of the number of people actually queued up to go and um see the queen's coffin before she was buried in the grand scheme of things it's actually not that many like it's the same number of people that attend glastonbury festival and i think i can't remember exactly what it was but they showed like statistics and it's like more people do other stuff um so like so it kind of shows that it's it's a it's not that large a percentage of people that have actually turned out to do this however i think there is something to be said for like i don't know just the fact that people would queue up for ages would be given like um food and and like blankets and stuff so that they could survive the however many hours they're queuing meanwhile you've got um allegedly i've heard people um homeless people being moved off the um streets so that the the grandeur of it isn't um, destroyed and um people leaving like marmalade sandwiches outside buckingham palace which obviously i get why they've done that but it's like it's food it's obviously going to rot and also there are people that actually need food <laughs> like that crisis yeah literally again in the middle of a cost of living crisis like i don't know it just i was having these kind of thoughts during the period didn't really want to discuss it on radio a because i don't think it would necessarily be allowed and b because people might feel like it's not respecting them being able to mourn and whatever however whilst i think everyone obviously has a right to mourn if someone passes away i wasn't necessarily a fan of how it kind of took over everything and like i don't know just Ron Weasley and Harry Potter, we need to sort our priorities in it. Like, moving on. Anyway. Yeah, well, we made the right decision discussing that when Halima isn't <laughs> because I feel yeah. like we'd I have mean, gone down a lot of deeper hole than that. Then you would have to cut half of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's weird. Like, just the whole month of September, I think, because of that, just feels like it didn't happen. But now we're in the best month of all. It's Libra season. AKA Carlos and Simran's birthday month. How old are you going to be? How old are you going to be? I'm going to be 23 and I'm very, 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 very oh upset about gosh. it. I thought you were going to be 24. Uh, <laughs> why are you so... Uh, <laughs> wait, so you're 22 now. Right. So for a week, I'm going to be 26 and you're going to be 22. Oh, that's too... No, that's no. crazy. I mean, I am sad, though. Of course you are. Of course you're sad. So what... 23, what, wow. How... 23, you know when I went on a rant about 27-year-olds? Um. Yeah. Yeah, um, they're the, the, allegedly the worst people. Yep. It's the worst. <laughs> no one likes you when you're 27. <laughs> right. I think 23 has the same vibe. No one likes you when you're 23. Or people can tolerate you when you're 23. That's about it. No, I think 23 is nice. It's like... it. 
really feels like you're kind of you're entering adulting like well hate to break it to you but you kind of are (laughs) um you know what's mad though um 23 it's the age that me and halima were when we entered covid oh wow so oh my god i was 20 i think yeah i was 20 ew ew what the hell (laughs) oh my god no no no. because then technically that makes me 21 in a couple weeks time (sighs) i've lost two years no well this is the thing i was about to say like i was thinking just now okay you're turning 23 let me think back to when i was 23 to try and like reflect on it and like what was going on for me and i was like yeah i literally spent half of my 23 uh, just in lockdown like (laughs) yeah are you in Halima? Yeah, you are. You're in the same year at school, technically. Like, yeah, just like yeah. a month apart, like in terms of birthday. I just don't. Well, touch wood, no pandemic is coming our way again anytime soon. However, having said that, <laughs> having said that, I it is weird because obviously, um, so many people have died, and it's not something to be commodified, um, trivialized, etc. However, I think I do get like kind of lockdown nostalgia quite a bit. I, oh my God, I don't know, but I think that is such a hot take because like when I see on uh, TikTok and stuff and there's like people like romanticizing March, 2020, April, 2020 and being like, oh my God, I just miss it. Don't you remember the stage of the pandemic when we had um, those coffees and all that rubbish, right? And everyone was doing all this stuff. Um, I just remember thinking like, I don't miss that at all as someone like I didn't hate I didn't hate living in lockdown like I wasn't like luckily I didn't have like I wasn't really upset or anything like I know a lot of people struggled mental health wise or like obviously a lot of people died and were very very sick um I didn't struggle so much in the beginning stages of the pandemic but I definitely don't miss it I don't have any kind of nostalgia towards it I think for me it's just kind of I miss because I'm quite an introvert anyway I kind of miss not feeling as obligated to go out and about whereas now it's like even if you're not saying nostalgia in terms of like oh my gosh I'd want to go back if you play like for example like I mean I I even I wasn't even on it properly at the time but if you play like the TikTok sounds like like, the one that comes to my mind straight away is the song where it's like I know I effed up I'm just a loser. Oh yeah, God, that, that, yeah. that one, that one, it's just like that. That is lot peak lockdown. Like such, like uh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a certain like vibe associated with the first couple of months of the pandemic, and like I do get it. Like it, it, people did get to like calm down and like chill. But like when you're in your second year of uni and you just move into a house with all your friends, yeah, it's kind of like it was such a big like it all came like crashing down. Yeah, I think your gener like your generation in terms of like maybe like from a year above you to like maybe I I think anyone below that age, you know, because yeah, I was like say, anyone in like education really. Yeah. Taking two years out of school, like and we're yet to see the effects of it as well in terms of the younger generations, in terms of how it's affected their development. They're already saying like skills wise, we're looking at like a skills shortage because of it. And like the the talent that people are going to be coming into compared to people that got hired in the same roles um, pre-COVID is going to be such, there's going to be such a disparity. Yeah. In that respect, it is kind of mad that I saw a thing the other day, which was talking about how they're going to take, make sure that the grades 
uh, higher next year to like it was like quote unquote like um to reflect the fact that it hasn't had disrupted teaching but i'm kind of like after what you just said like are we not taking into consideration the fact that these people have had disrupted development literally in some ways the fact that they had two years out of school at a younger age is going to probably be reflected worse just because it wasn't in their exam years doesn't mean they're still not affected by it. And also that can only make sense if you're going to adjust the grade boundary. It can only make sense if you're only adjusting them to the pre-COVID level. If you're making them even harder than they were, just to make up for the fact that the kids a couple of years above were like quite like quite massively affected, it's still not fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't even understand the gradings these days. Did, did you have like numbers for your ones? No, it's ABC. Yeah, like now it's all just like, one to nine oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. Like... I, I kind of get it's only GCSEs though A-levels is still ABC I'm pretty sure okay um but the numbers yeah like you can get like a nine which is the highest and that puts you in like the top whatever percent of all grades or something yeah which is like an A star star basically which is crazy I just find it so weird like how if I if I had a I'm saying if I had a kid that was doing a GCSEs which would be very like configuring because I would have to have had them when I was 10 but um, where if I if I if they got their results back and I looked at them and they had like a load of numbers on them I'd li- I would literally be like this is so weird like where's what? all yeah they could like if my kid is anything like me they would just lie and tell me like that yeah. all the numbers mean different things it's the other way around like yeah it's all like one one they're like mom one's an a star star I'd be like oh. <laughs> <laughs> with this whole like covid stuff like you said, like working from home, I was having this conversation with my friends, right? And how we said that when we were like, if you went back like five years and we were in sixth form or whatever, and you told us that like, when we go to uni, we're not going to have in-person lectures, seminars, meetings, whatever. It's all going to be online. Your exams are no longer essays written in an exam hall. You know, you don't have to revise and memorize anything. It's just like a case study question that you have five days to, to write. And then when you get your like, big job afterwards that's going to be four days working from home we would have actually laughed would you have like say if you'd been told that's what it's going to be like and then in a few years it's going to go back to how it was would you have like waited before going to uni 100 percent. yeah i would have done something like makeup or something because but if i put myself in my shoes back then i was in two minds about my a levels anyway I was like, I don't want to do this. It was, it was, it got to a point where it was so difficult that I was thinking of like just leaving it um, and pursuing makeup or something. And then I stuck with it because I was like, I'm this far now. So I'm just going to do them. If I do badly, cool makeup. But if I do well, all right, uni. Obviously, it worked out the uni side. But yeah, if I, if they, if it said like, oh, it is going to go back to, um normal lectures whatever and like I guess the job thing I I see is more important as the uni thing as in like being in the office they're like yeah you'll get to have it like that 100% I would have just waited obviously when you look at it from like a mature perspective it's a bad thing because we did not engage and my exams were a shambles I think as well just like it's not it's like you guys shouldn't have been charged the same amount because you weren't given the same level of and like I'm not joking my um like teaching a lot of the lectures weren't even live they were like recordings from the previous year and they were just like yeah watch it in your own time kind of thing like I just didn't I just didn't attend anything because there wasn't really anything to attend Mm -hmm. and then the exams 
were crazy. I didn't revise because we'd get the questions on a Monday and we'd have until Friday to answer them. So there was no point revising because it would literally be like, you need to see the questions first so you even know what to revise and no point revising all the topics and you only pick one. But obviously what I was saying, like from a mature perspective, you know the uni thing was bad, but at the time it was fun. Because whatever we were literally just unemployed living our best lives and then when stuff started opening up it was like partners branch or like whatever you know yeah. um but now like i'm in the office maximum two days a week so that's nothing really which is crazy when you think about like what it used to be like well i mean speaking of congrats you landed yourself a job straight out of um, uni straight into the capitalist clog machine oh. This is what I wanted to talk about. But first of all, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's so funny that like I do jump in, I do jump straight into this conversation. People will be like, oh my God, well done. And I'm like, let me tell you about capitalism. <laughs> um, no, obviously I'm super grateful and it's an it's an amazing opportunity and I'm gonna really enjoy it. If you're listening, Illy. <laughs> yeah. She's doing that um, RMLG thing with her hands in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> um but um okay so me my master's yeah it had me in a chokehold for a year like I could not have even anticipated how much I was going to struggle through the master's and I'm very open in telling people that like I did not enjoy the year it was very difficult and it was harder than I ever could have anticipated so I just want to say to anyone thinking about doing postgraduate study please think about it thoroughly and find out as much detail as you can about your course before you accept anything because that was my mistake but um yeah so just get all the facts and then and then some and just be prepared for like very late nights early mornings and stuff like that like it's just going to be like it's going to be intense but yeah we are out the other side which is amazing but I always said because I found it so hard um I was not going to job hunt for a while I was literally like not even going to think about job hunting um and then basically just sit around and like just go to the gym and watch Netflix all day that was my goal I was like I just just no one bother me everyone was like why don't you travel I was like no just no one bother me I just leave me alone for a little bit right um I just wanted a break and then I saw this job because I was procrastinating my diss ironically and I was like oh my god it looks fun sending my cv and got it which it, obviously it wasn't definitely not as simple as that but um there was a whole process and stuff but yeah I've got this job which is amazing um and I'm gonna be part of the capitalist cog machine, which is great. But I do think like there is something to be said about this two month break or whatever I was planning is not gonna mean anything when I'm like 30. Do you know what I mean? What What do you mean? So are you saying that you're happy that you didn't take it or that it doesn't matter there's a part of me, There's a part of me that wants it because I am still like, oh my God, like, oh, this is a lot. But uh, I think the like objectively speaking, this was too good of an opportunity not to take. I am obviously very, very, very excited. And like in a few years time or even in a year's time, having a two month break wouldn't have changed anything in the grand scheme of things. And like, who knows if this opportunity could have ever come around again and if I would have attained something like this when I started, when I started, when I planned to job hunt, which was, which was like December, January. I suppose it is kind of like as well. I feel like if you really needed that, then you would take it. It's more that, like it, it, it correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's more that like it was a nice idea that you would have like however many months just chilling. Yeah. Um, but now, but it, it wasn't like you were like, 
I need to have that, otherwise I am going to collapse from exhaustion sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like, oh my God, I wasn't like at my breaking point. And obviously the disc process has been less stressful as a whole than like my master's was in terms of the exam coursework side of things, just because it was so stretched out. Obviously the last three weeks have been hell, but the whole like last three months of disc have been very manageable, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not been too bad, but like, yeah, I think you just need to figure out like how to give yourself breaks. This is me turning it into advice. And then you need to figure out like how to give yourself breaks and just do it in the best way possible that like works for you, but obviously you still have responsibilities that you need to keep up. But yeah, I'm so excited to be part of the capitalist cog machine. Do you have to like wear proper like work clothes for it? Is it chill? Yeah, I've been buying. You have no idea like how many how much clothes I've been buying and just returning because I can't like physically look at myself in work clothes. I look so bad. It's a joke. Like I just look so old, wow. and I'm, I'm clutching onto my youth for dear life, man. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, I I went I went to, like, to that social and I had like a jumpsuit and like a coat on. And I think I asked someone how old they thought I was because they asked me and they were like, oh, like 27. And I was like, <laughs> not 27. Like, <laughs> when you're 27. <laughs> but yeah, like I was like, no, 22. And they were like, oh my God, 22. Wow. And I was like, yeah, thank you, young baby. <laughs> oh, dear. You know how many times on that social people would ask me and like obviously they were pretty shocked when I told them my age because a lot of them were a lot older like they were in their like late 30s and then the amount of times I said that TikTok order you know and it's like I'm just a baby <laughs> no one understood me I think as well like f- this kind of school I went to is very competitive where I'm from is very competitive it's a very big like names of your company is a big thing your job title is a big thing it's a very like no one cares if you worked 20 hours of overtime in a week that's standard you know it's very like mm, people love people love the corporate life we're gonna take a quick news break now but stay tuned for our discussion of something that i think his name's stephen bartlett i think from Dragonstone. he's gone viral for something he said in his podcast again he's done <laughs> tapping but yeah stick around and we'll be discussing that in a second Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name is Gerns. I'm joined by Simran. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm just tired. This is adult life. Welcome. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) On that topic, (laughs) we're just going to play this clip that's gone viral from Stephen Bartlett, who is one of the dragons on Dragon's Den. And yeah, he has a podcast. He's tends he's tends to go viral. Like he's interviewed like a number of people. Like I think one of the most notable ones is he interviewed Matt Hancock after everything went down. Questionable as to whether or not that's something to celebrate, but hey ho. Oh yeah, he had Molly May as well, twenty four hours. That's where this came from as well. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so see a lot of stuff happens on this podcast, right? Um, so we're going to play this clip now and, yeah, discuss what we think about it. I have a fear, and I've never expressed this openly, so this is the first time, so don't all come for me at once. I have a fear that Gen Z are the least resilient generation that I've ever seen. And this is, sounds so stupid and not evidence-based, but if you look at what TikTok is telling this generation work is, and there was a video that went viral on Twitter the other day, 
out in Silicon Valley where it shows like a Facebook employee, one of the big tech companies. She arrives at work in the morning, she takes a photo of her latte, all oh, there's free muffins. She goes over and has the free muffin. It shows her in her TikTok, literally doing like 30 seconds of work. Then she's out doing some like pottery making class that work have put on. She comes back to the desk, does another 30 seconds of work. Then she's off to her work social. And I reflect on the storms that my father went through at work and I kn I just know so deeply inside of me that there's no way some of these younger Gen Z people could weather such a storm without quitting, doing a long LinkedIn post uh, to criticize their employer then quitting. I just fear that when, when I'm hiring people that are in that generation, I almost need to, to go to an extra length just to check that they can cope with a high intensity culture where demands might come on a Saturday because the world doesn't stop on Saturdays and Sundays. I go on. can go on a rant about this. <laughs> and I'm not 100% sure if you're going to agree with what I'm about to say. I think I, I, I'm open. I'll listen. I actually do agree with him. As a whole, I think I agree with what he says, right? There are problems in it. And he himself admits that this is like um, skeptical, skeptical, but you know what I mean? Like it's not evidence based is what he says. I do to an extent agree what but what he is doing is making a really big generalization and I think like there's two things to talk about in terms of generalizing is the TikTok that he's referencing of this girl who works at Facebook or something and what he's saying about resilience and I think the resilience thing comes into what you define as resilience because a lot of people were commenting on the this video saying like it's just people setting healthy work boundaries and it's like not working over what the minimum of you that you're expected to do and working within your means and your contract and what you actually agreed to do when you got the job right and to all that stuff I agree setting healthy work boundaries and setting boundaries with your employer and your manager and making sure that you're in an environment where you're not constantly overworked and burnt out obviously I get that um and I completely agree that needs to be more common practice because that's uh, most organizations don't even foster a culture where employees feel comfortable enough to speak about that kind of stuff and to set those boundaries in the first place. All of that stuff. Yeah. OK, he was he missed the mark on that and he completely disregards that. But I think when you talk about resilience, you need to think about both work and outside of work because if someone's going through so much stuff outside of work maybe they can't bring the best self to work every single day and they can't be on 110% effort every single day and they can't like give it their all and be burnt out at work and be burnt out in their personal life and it's something that needs to be a lot more recognized in the workplace that people have priorities outside of work I think it's so like commonplace for people to assume that like just because you're at work here now that's all that matters but obviously people you, you know people have stick-ups outside of work and that trickles into their emotions and people think that work is very binary and non-emotional and it very much so is even if your job is like science-based if you're a researcher if you're like a banker or something like you still very much bring your emotions and your mood into work every single day and that needs to be way more looked after you can tell I've done occupational, occupational psychology I'm literally just reciting my notes right now um but I do agree with him in that I do think generationally we are seeing a lack of resilience and maybe that does just fall into the work boundaries thing but we are the the corporate culture of overworking overtime not leaving work at 5 5 30 because you'll be looked you'll be looked at as lazy right 
going above and beyond constantly to make a good impression that hasn't been erased yet that's still very much so in practice it might not be obvious on TikTok but in the real working world that's still how things work it hasn't rarely has not changed if I've learned anything from my dissertation where I interviewed a bunch of corporate working people on burnout and work-life balance trust me that has not changed at all people doing like 100 hours a week like it's insane and the pandemic did nothing but make that worse in some cases some cases better but some cases worse and a lot worse um so I think generationally you're looking at a difference in resilience and it's because people are so open to like and this isn't even a bad thing but people are more open to bringing their emotions into work and demanding more of their employer and like when things get tough quitting which obviously comes down to resilience because obviously you should be able to go through tough times and not just run away um but I guess over a long period if you've gotten to a point where you're that burnt out you're that tired you're that fed up and angry okay fine quit but quitting shouldn't be the first option when things get tough is what I think Stephen is kind of hinting at in this and like when he needs to check when hiring this generation if they can cope with certain things which I think people need to be mindful of and I do think we are seeing a difference between like say 40 year old bankers and like 18 19 20 year olds now like entering the world of work I think you are seeing like a difference in how much people can handle based on their expectations of work and you have this whole thing of like quiet quitting and like not doing anything over the bare minimum of your job which to some extent I agree with but we still like I said we still live in a world of work where if you want to be liked by people if you want to be favored for promotions and development and stuff you do need to go above and beyond kind of like school in, in the same way like you do need to stand out mm -hmm. so losing that resilience aspect is only going to affect those certain people because you're still going to have people in that generation that are going to work as hard as people that have been like were overworking um the last few decades and that's then they're unfortunately probably going to be the ones that are going to be like preferred most but I kind of get that in a sense and like the next thing I was going to say was the TikTok that he's referencing to which I don't particularly agree with I do get what he's saying but like obviously he's saying like oh she does 30 seconds of work of course she's not going to show the work that's the boring bit she's trying to make engaging content for TikTok she's not going to show how much work she of course she's doing work she wouldn't be in the position of such a big company if she wasn't working and the reason why these companies do things like yoga and I don't know what else he was talking about, but like is to foster that like work life balance and to make work an enjoyable place because you spend so much time there. So it should be enjoyable. And then I just think he's talking about, oh, the storms, his father like weathered and stuff. I get that. And like as someone we all came from like immigrants. Right. And we've seen the ridiculous amount of hours, but we should be thankful that our like grandparents or their parents or whatever put that groundwork in so we could live this life and sit at an office and sit at a desk all day you know like it's so much it's so different to the manual labor that they did the amount of hours they did like all the traveling and the conditions they lived in and stuff you know getting to afford like a flat in Manchester or London and working at an office all day is a privilege compared to a lot of people in the world um and the world of work has changed we don't need to like be doing manual labor anymore like that intensively in this country compared to what like our parents grandparents and their parents did so I think he's missing a big key factor in like societal changes and like generational changes but at the same time I don't disagree with everything that he says
Yeah, I think that's the thing is that I do get what you what both he and yourself are saying in terms of natural, and it's a good thing as well that this generation might be considered less resilient in the fact that they this whilst the culture of overworking is still there, people are becoming a lot more aware of like that they have like literally that they have rights and that they can um put their foot down when they um are being expected to work beyond what is they're contractually obliged to. However, I don't what I don't agree with is how he's saying he's clearly implying that that is a bad thing. I don't mm. think that a lack of desire to consistently go over and beyond and um overwork yourself and weather through storms as he says um is a i don't think a lack of desire to do that is a bad thing i think again when he talks about what his father went through i'm kind of like in so many stories of parents particularly of um parents who are um, people of color who have gone through that those hard times a lot of the time they've gone through that in order to provide a better life for the next generation um and in that with that in mind i don't see why there should be a desire per se to go through the same thing again like the whole point is that you're meant to be in a position where you don't necessarily yeah. have to work yourself to the bone and <laughs> Like, it doesn't mean that you don't have to work. You don't have to work yourself to the bone and um, think, worry about where the next meal is going to come from, worry about where the ec- well, the, all those extra pennies are coming from, that sort of thing. I mean, I yeah, I completely agree. Like, my grandma even told me a story literally yesterday about when they came here, when my granddad, there would be, like, 40 of them in a house and they would sleep in the shed outside in the garden, on the floor, in the hallways, like, 10 people to a room, like it was insane and that's why they work so hard so we could like live these lives and I know for some people that comes across as soft right that we've like softened up as a generation and stuff like that but there's a reason for that and that's you're gonna see the world shift in that way but I do say like I do I do agree with what you said in terms of like that's only a portion of people that are going to like be less resilient I suppose there's still there's still going to be a massive portion of this generation that are willing to overwork because it just depends on your goals and desires as a person and because the the culture hasn't changed in terms of like overworking and stuff you're still going to have to do that overperforming to like attain your goals or like to move up on the corporate ladder and things like that. So you're still going to have people that are going to do that, but it's fine because not everyone needs to be like dragon's den, big shot corporate. Everyone can do what they want. Well, I think that's the problem as well is that whilst I get that maybe he doesn't want to hire people who are going to quit at the first difficult task i can understand that but in terms of the um scale of weathering storms and being able to consistently go through struggle and in in the workplace i personally just don't i don't think that should be an expectation i don't think that's a healthy thing i don't i think 
putting people through extra tests to determine whether they can handle that sort of thing, I would like to think that people shouldn't be expected to handle that sort of thing. Maybe once in a blue moon, fair enough, but like to see whether people can handle intense work situations which require a lot of resilience, in my mind, kind of implies that you're going to be expected to... um, like deal with that quite a lot and i just don't see the point of that i think i think that's one benefit of this next generation is that hopefully we can move into a space where like people just are respected in terms of how much they work and that there isn't this need to be constant i don't know like if people want to do that fair enough but i just don't think necessarily that it should be an expectation it's it's the kind of thing of like you shouldn't be looked down on because you're doing what your job requires you to underperforming yeah fine but like obviously you don't fire someone just because they underperform for like three months or whatever you have a performance review with them you speak to them you find out what's going on and the reasons why and how you can develop first before you like just lay someone off if someone's doing what they agreed to do during the hiring process they're not doing anything wrong but the problem is we live in a culture where the minimum like what you're expected to do is here and if you're doing that you're looked down upon badly because everyone else is up here and they're overworking like to the point of burnout and exhaustion the thing is as well what he was pointing out which i think i have a problem with in terms of the generational differences like i said i don't deny and i think i would agree that maybe gen gen z is if you want to say less resilient fair enough because they're a generation that have grown up without necessarily having to work as hard and in terms of putting in the hours manual labor like you were saying before in terms of that sort of thing or without and and also being more aware of the fact that they can put their foot down and say no if they don't want to do stuff however having said that there are also struggles that gen z face today that the um people 40 50 years ago didn't like we've progressed in some ways but also we've really in a worse situation in a lot of ways like i think the best example i always see is the um middle-aged people that kind of like imply that oh it's easy for you to buy your first house and whatnot and if you look at how much houses used to cost back then fair enough inflation has occurred and prices have risen dramatically but if even then like the amount that people used to pay and that how easy not i'm not again i'm not saying it was easy but how much easier it was to actually get your first property and get your foot like in the door it was a lot easier in terms of that and that's just one example so i don't think necessarily um it's something to like point out in terms of gen z being less resilient and i think as well if you look at it like so much is happening now in terms of progressiveness maybe not gen z maybe more millennials but it's happening because they're putting their foot down and because they're standing up and that's not to discredit what early generations have done of course they've done the same but i do think it's happening a lot more these days because people are actually standing up for themselves I don't think that's something to be discredited as being like less resilient. I do think like the previous generations laid the groundwork so that people could now 
you know progress this at this rate in terms of like inclusion stuff for like people of color members of the lgbtq plus community like things like that 100 like i think the groundwork was laid generations ago but that's the reason why we're in a position now where people have this um spaces that are safe enough provided to them to demand these things i just think like i don't know if it's because TikTok has connected the world so much that we're just seeing it more in terms of least resilient people and like the same proportion of the population that are not resilient, whatever your definition of resilient means, um, has has been consistent and stable over time. Or and we're just seeing it more, so we're a bit more exposed to it. Therefore, we're thinking about it more and more aware. Or if there actually is a higher proportion of people that are no longer like as resilient as you might define previous generations to be. Yeah. I think again, like you're saying about TikTok, I think maybe we are just seeing and stereotyping because we're seeing so many people doing what we consider to be less resilient activity. But it's like literally just last week, um, the guest we had on the show, Eamon, she was saying about how, so she's, um, I think she's around our age, and um, she. Is, comes from a working class background in East London. Yeah, she was literally saying about how she worked uh, purely, like like she was living at home, but still she worked purely for the sake of getting in a little bit of extra cash. And she applied to like over 90 jobs, which we were saying is such like a common thing to have to do. She ended up getting a job in this cafe that was ages away from her house. And she did it just to get a little bit of money. She crowdfunded in order to be able to fund her um, masters at Cambridge and yeah she's just someone she's in a good position now in her career but she's worked ridiculously hard because of who she is and because she comes from a working class background um, and I think she's like I said she's our age so to say that resilience doesn't exist amongst this generation I think is like not true i think maybe we're just shining a light yeah, um, yeah and we, yeah. we're creating this narrative because again of like tiktok generation social media people create these like, also that facebook video or whatever video it was that he's talking about we create this idea of perfection engaging content whatever it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the actual reality of it and like everything you say is always going to be overshadowed by like the two percent of people on the extreme end of the spectrum you see someone like overly complaining because their boss asked them to do like the most menial task you're going to get people like that like you said the long linkedin post complaining about their employer or whatever like you're going to get that and that's probably going to crowd your like view of what you think re- unresilient people are but obviously like you said there are still very resilient people in this generation i think i just come from like a upbringing of like I remember before I did my A-levels, there wasn't a single person who didn't tell me like, this is going to be the worst two years of your life. It's going to be the hardest year of your life. You're not going to have a life. Like, just get ready for this. You're going to be so stressed. And I just remember always telling myself like, just two years, two years, you're going to do it. Just that's that's all it is. You just need to like be depressed for two years. And that's not how you should think about things. And I, I was the same in my master's. I was like, one year, that's it. Like, it's going to be the worst year of your life, but you're going to get it done and it's going to be done. You're going to have a master's degree by the end of it. And it was the worst year of my life, you know, but that's not how it should be. You shouldn't have to like torture yourself and like exhaust yourself so much to attain things that, to be honest, only lead you to do more work. (laughs) Yeah, that is the thing. Yeah, I think as well, like 
you need to understand where like Stephen Bartlett's coming from. He's obviously very successful, very corporate. He's gonna think like that. Whereas that 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 that's like path of life is not for everyone. You I wouldn't tell someone that does like pottery for a living that they're not resilient. They're just literally living their best life. Sounds like someone wants a career change. Looks like someone wants to start a career in pottery. <laughs> On that note, I think what we're taking from this clip is points have been made in this clip which again like is not necessarily wrong it's more what he's implying i think through yeah. what he's saying also like i do stand by like i don't disagree with everything he says in the video but my point of view is also messed up because i'm too like rise and grind wake up at five in the morning eat a book cold shower go to the gym you know like i i need to like unlearn like that's stupid yeah like yeah you need to just yeah it's the world of work is like hard like the culture around work is difficult to navigate and depending on what your goals are you just need to do what's in line with that unfortunately a lot of cultures still foster and promote people based off overworking and going way too above and beyond which is an unfortunate truth it just depends on what you're willing to put in i think as well like what you're saying before about quiet quitting i didn't I kept on seeing that term getting thrown around. I didn't know what it was. I looked it up a couple of weeks ago and I was literally like, wait, I thought this was like a a negative thing, but it literally is just like say doing the bare minimum and doing what you're obliged to do. And I was just kind of like, but, but that's what, that, that's a job. Like, right. Like you're, you're getting paid to do a certain amount of work. I think, I think it depends what job you're doing, right? I think you like really like your job as well. I think yeah. that goes, that that kind of gets overlooked a lot. People obviously enjoy their jobs. People enjoy going above and beyond sometimes, but for a lot of people, work is work. Work is a means to an end. Yeah, and well, I think ultimately, if you work for some massive bu- business corporation, whatever, like which is consistently making profit beyond what you would ever dream of if you want to clock out when your shift is over then do that like you're like if they're not going to pay you extra to work extra then don't do that because like ultimately like fair enough the the company might be where it is because of how each individual person works but ultimately they could make slightly less profit and pay people to do overtime if they wanted to but in most cases they don't and i just think that that's wrong like i think if you want people to do more work then pay them for it i know it's something that needs maybe that's kind of like what is being seen as unresilient is people just like trying to shift this culture you might see in 10 years we do have a completely different culture of work where like clocking out at five does not impact your standing in the company like you're just allowed you don't you're not expected to work till 9 p.m or whatever like it's it's it just it makes me angry like as someone that relies like a lot on like timing and like i very much like oh we're gonna do this now this this time whatever the fact that like it could ever be expected that you eat into your own life without getting paid for it like no like i'm sorry no yeah so we're gonna play some music now and and when we come back gonna be discussing a bit more about beauty standards and the beauty industry and social media that's the segue and social media as a vehicle for promoting 
that. See you in a bit. Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala Pie Radio South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm here with Simran. Oh, hi, guys. So I was finding my research. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what we're going to be talking about right now, Simran has actual research on, so I'm very excited to see where this is going. Over to you. Um, so this is something we've actually been planning on speaking about for a while, and it is the use of filters in terms of like um, on social media apps when you're taking a picture of yourself or someone else, and obviously you can select different filters that you can use to kind of enhance your appearance, shall we say. Um and I just wanted to speak about how I think that they have the potential to be incredibly damaging in a lot of cases. And when you take in stuff like the nature of the filters, societal impact, societal expectations of mostly women and the way they're perceived, and that's what kind of where like I think this is going to go and how it can be damaging. So like, yeah, I wanted to get like your opinion as well. I love how it sounded like I could hear pages turning. Have you literally got research in front of you? It's on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do. I I actually, because this is something I feel very passionate about, hence why I brought it up to speak about this. I don't want to tread on toes because I realise a lot of people obviously use these. And a massive thing I want to say is like, this is no shade to anyone that uses them. I have used them myself in the past. I've just been on a very big, like for a very long time, I've either not used them at all or I've used them once in an absolute blue moon and they're always like a funny one, like like a stupid one. I personally am on a thing where I don't want to use them. If it's your, if that's what you want to do, babe, love that. Go ahead. Like honestly, no, no shade whatsoever, but it's just, I want to talk about the kind of darker side to it. Sure. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, I would say that filters became a thing like, maybe like mid 2010s i want to say yeah and they started off silly like the dog on yeah snapchat that, that is that's the one that's still on the dog one on snapchat that's that's the one that i remember being like oh yeah like this is like and even that like it did do something to your face because yeah. i remember like i was like in first year of uni and i was like doing i was like you know what actually that looks really nice yes i have like a dog ears and whatever but like something's You're in different first year of uni in 2010 no, sorry, in mid 2010s. Oh, right. Like, yeah, because I don't think filters were a thing because it was through Snapchat and Instagram, right? And Snapchat yeah. only came about in like 2012, 2013. It's, like, it's definitely been a thing, but the efficacy of them is questionable because, like, when I remember being like back in like on a Nintendo DS, you could do some stuff, but it was really poor. Like, the, the technology was nowhere yeah. near it. Or, like, on your, on your Mac, like, you could yes. do different things. Oh, yeah, things, I remember like, on the yeah. photo booth. Yeah. and that was like nowhere near what we're what we're looking at now yeah but i think i've never like i think it was just when they first started being used in common circulation i was kind of like yeah like i think the, the ones that i enjoyed as well were the ones where you could like put someone else's face on top of yours and like i would find that really funny like pretending to be someone else or whatever so it was never really obviously again i'm speaking from a male perspective but for me it was never really anything about like looking nicer or anything however I don't know. I think after those first couple of months, I was just kind of like, I don't know, just didn't really catch on to me. And I don't know, because like, like, like you're saying, I don't want to throw shade on anyone that does it. And I also like understand the reasons why. So I don't want to discredit that. However, 
it there is a little voice in the back of my head that whenever I see like people using filters, it is like in the back of my head, just like big sigh sort of thing. Like I think because I am just kind of a bit like, especially it's it's a good thing as well that Instagram, for example, um, shows what filter you're using. So if you hadn't already figured out this person is using a filter, um, but there are ways around it. I need to say. Uh, but, but can, yeah. yeah but even then like i think i just when it's so obvious that someone's using a filter and it's not it's not for funny purposes it's because it makes them look a certain way there is a little voice in the back of my head that is just saying like like who do you think you're kidding in that sense like you know it's a filter and i know it's because of like the way that people have it makes people feel better because they look a certain way and i'm not discreet taking away from that but there is it's almost like i don't know i'm just kind of a bit like exasperated with it i i don't like it personally because i'm just kind of a bit like like I, i can get on board with makeup because that is like you're you're still changing your actual face whereas filter there's no limit to what you can do right like it's literally using cgi to distort your face in ways unimaginable i just yeah i think this comes with a lot of like prefacing this conversation because they're so widely used and they're so accepted and i can't really see that changing anytime soon as well so like this obviously i need to preface a lot of this because all my friends use them everyone uses them like i'm not saying i'm like better than anyone for not using them it's just my personal like mission is to not use them. and it's hard not to use them i'm not saying like it is difficult if i'm like got my makeup on and i take a picture and you know when like the mirror is telling you one thing but the camera is saying another thing and i'm like oh my god I, like i look bad like i'm I'm not feeling any of my selfies whatever and i, I want to post something it's so tempting to chuck a filter on and then look perfectly presentable in everyone's eyes and then like maybe i'll get like comments and people will say something and like whatever um obviously that that's a whole another conversation about validation and external validation and things like that that i won't even really tie into this but it is difficult not to use them and just be like all right this is your face go out you know <laughs> like but the thing is a lot of these filters like you said very good that instagram does the like the thing where it says this filter is being used a lot of them don't change much of your face they might clear your skin maybe they might like change something about it the eye color or something I honestly don't know but like it might give you like a little overall enhancement and it's not so noticeable I think some of them aren't that bad but my god some of them are so extreme like I've seen some where they basically erase the nose the nose is so like teeny tiny the cheeks are in like that the jaw is cut the eyes are like blue the eyebrows are up here the lips are huge the skin is like translucent like something out of twilight and it's just like you do know people are gonna see you when you come to the club or this party or whatever like I am gonna see your face in person with no filter on I think as well it for me as well it's kind of like it it takes it to another level as well when it's the difference between posting on your story I'm posting it actually on your feed. When people post it on their feed, I am just kind of a bit like, so what are you trying to give off the impression that that is literally? Yeah, because I know I know a lot of people who don't have an unfiltered pick on their feed or highlights, right? Or, or that goes in their story. Like your face 
is just not on your profile like your unfiltered face is not on your profile at all and that's crazy because I know them in real life but say I didn't and I never met them you might think this is what they obviously you, you can you know it's a filter but you would have maybe a different expectation of what their face looks like and then when you see them in person you'd be like might, might be like oh god you do look different you know and if that's your problem like if you don't mind looking different on social media in real life all right cool like I'm not I'm not here to like say anything bad about that but that's just where this becomes damaging is what I'm saying is like that's where you see the kind of like the damaging element of like why do you feel the need to make your face look so different and not the way that it reflects how you actually look in real life I mean we know why for like I mean yeah because my next thing was like if you take the nature of these filters they are inherently like kind of racist as well because the vast majority of them promote like skin lightening smaller noses like lip shapes uh, bone structures eye colors a lot of which promote a eurocentric beauty standard i remember back in the day oh my god the the early snapchat ones would make your skin like i'm brown right but they would make my skin you know like like archie white and it's it's just as a young girl at the time, thinking that that's what you need to look like to be perceived as attractive and pretty is so messed up. And like, we need to look at like the long-term impact this is gonna have on self-esteem, self-image, body image, the way you perceive your face. And it, it, it massively contributes to the pipeline to cosmetic procedures and plastic surgery as well. Yeah, I mean, um, we, that's what we last talked about in relation to this topic, wasn't it? It was like how easy it is. <clears throat> how much accessible, more accessible it is in becoming for in people to get these quick surgeries done to look a certain way. And like, I used to use filters in like my first and second year of uni, I probably did and would like post on my story using one, right? Um, and I remember it really contributed to me overlining my lips with makeup to the point where I used to like double the size of my lips. It used to look really bad. I don't know why, my friends are fake. None of them checked me on this because it looked bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I used to overline my lips to the point where like they just looked awful. And it got me to a point where I literally had a consultation book to get my lips filled. I think in February of 2020, I was going to travel and get, get injections in my lips. And not even like a little bit. I was planning to get quite a bit because I was like, I need them to look how they look um, with makeup. I need them to be huge. Luckily, something I just woke up one day and I was like, what are you doing? And I cancelled it. And I'm so happy I did. But it just shows how easily you can like fall into the pipeline of, oh, a little filter here, a little overline here, a little this, that, and then, okay, a little injection, a little surgery, you know, and how you can like maybe 20 years down the line, you look like a completely different person. Yeah. I think as well, it, like you're saying, we're yet to see the effects of it in, in regards to this generation because growing up even like my generation um primary school absolutely no like no one was really <clears throat> no one had like, like no one even had like phones let alone like um cameras on phones it wasn't really a thing prior school maybe getting into it towards the end of it but even then it was like I, I reckon it was only really kicking off as I was finishing high school so whilst I know people that use filters now 
it's not necessarily something that they've grown up with thinking like at least they know some they know a life before it whereas people growing up now particularly young girls are growing up thinking that it's the norm to use these filters to make yourself look a certain way i've seen i've seen really young girls like cousins and stuff people in my family like using them and i just think oh my god you're so beautiful you don't you don't need to like it's just showing people they can't accept their own like beauty in the face they were given you have to just mold them into this like filter face which if everyone's using the same filter everyone then has the same face you know yeah which again is massively promoting a certain beauty standard which tends to be eurocentric so it's like you can't promote all these things that you know are unattainable and when you look at celebrities say we're looking at like kim k right she's just kind of an easy target for stuff like this but um if we're looking at certain celebrities, they can't even keep up with their own beauty sense. And I think I've spoken about this before in that they have their natural face and body. They then get procedures. They then have to maintain that with facials and like liposuction and different like water treatment, all these treatments and stuff just to maintain the surgery. They have to take so many pills for it to maintain the surgery. And then they have like two to three hours a day of the most like professional, best that money can buy hair and makeup to do photo shoots that are edited and photoshopped it's like and then they have like waist trainers and corsets and like photoshop editing on their bodies so when you look at this person in a vogue cover compared to a pap shot that's why they look so different i think as well this is the thing like what you're saying about having to keep up with themselves this they is particularly keep up with the beauty standards they've set exactly because again i know we're like using kim k as an example here but mo- most recently she's done that shoot um and she's gone all blonde mm-hmm. and she's basically gone thin again and if you know kim k she's known for um like being a model that like has a very like hourglass figure that was always her thing whether or not it's that was actually ever hers to, like to begin with natural is another thing but like that's what she went for and those are the beauty standards that she's always amplified now she's like it would seem unless it's been heavily edited um but it looks like she's going back towards more of like a skinny model phase that you would have maybe expected in a magazine in the early 2000s and it's the fact that people might have been influenced by the beauty standards that she's set gone and got um, surgery and now because obviously she's um, able to do stuff at the drop of her hat she can just decide I want to be thin now and then get implants taken out whatever the average person who's paid so much to get the surgery is now stuck being like well did I actually want that or did I just want it because I thought that's what everyone else was doing like yeah I think it just it really speaks on like the wider society kind of view on like women's bodies and how like, how can a body type be trendy it doesn't make sense I know people on TikTok like skinny's coming back like all these low-waisted jeans and the different types of fashion and stuff and it's like how can a, a body type come back first of all it never left people have been skinny people have been big people have been curvy people have been whatever like it's just so strange to make things trendy and it's so 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 damaging I remember being like 10 years old and that's when like skinny was in fashion and maybe not like 90 supermodel skinny but like pretty skinny um it was still like the look and I remember thinking like I need to have a thigh gap my thighs are not allowed to touch and like girls would like force this thigh gap thing and like 
it was like if your feet were touching and then you had a gap between your thighs it was like the most impressive thing like it was like the most attractive thing and I remember thinking like oh my god I need that need to like lose weight and get that I don't know that's me- I don't have that <laughs> I probably will never have that but it's one of those things where it's, you just realize how damaging and like the thigh gap thing still stays with me I see models and they and they have that and I'm like oh my god she has a thigh gap I'm 22 that's never left me. It's so, so, so damaging. And like, okay, so this is my research. 175 City University female students aged 18 to 30 were interviewed. By you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Oh my God, maybe I'll do some market research. Okay, fine. I'm inspired. Um, 90% of them said they use filters to edit the way they feel and like enhance their appearance. And this was specifically because of a pressure to look a certain way on social media. 90% of 175 girls, women. Yeah, no question of the fact that it's a majority. It's just, that's how damaging it is. And it's like, A, you kind of forget people see you in real life. But B, like, why? What's, what, what is the inherent reason for this? And obviously we know, but... You need, it needs to be like delved deeper into because now you're looking at a generation of people that can't put their real face out there. Yeah, I think the problem is as well, like it, I don't know how it would ever change because, because like say 90% of people are doing it, if one person then chooses to not do it, they're very much like in the deep end by themselves and it's, it's well, scary. I don't feel like I'm in any kind of deep end like by myself or anything. Like I just, I don't see it as a big difference that I don't do it because it's never been a massive thing in my life but if I was the kind of person that always used them I could see how it'd be very difficult to begin the process of not using them when everyone around you is using them they're very 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 normalized in fact they're probably more normal than not using filters nowadays so I think it'd be very difficult to even want to start not using them Mm -hmm. because I just I've I've been there when I've looked at my face and being like Ugh, and then put a filter on and being like oh you know <laughs> and then wanting to take pictures and upload it but then realizing like have you ever used a filter like that that are made for girls really oh like a blanker or something like any kind of filter on Instagram and you like have your normal face in the camera you put the filter on and you see like it go from that to that mm. and that to that and like the fil- the lips get bigger like, in a, in a second right yeah it's, that's just crazy. It's just crazy to me. I don't know. Like I say, I d- do we have any predictions for where we see this going? Like, I think it's only going to get worse because it's an industry. People make money off this. Like, so therefore, it's only going to get worse, like damaging. People can wake up to it, but I don't think, A, it's going to be enough people and B, no, I'm never going to get normalised to the point where people are like, oh my God, boycott filters, right? You're looking at like, honestly, the AI and whatever it is, I don't know if it's AI, that's a bit stupid for me, um, but the technology is gonna develop. Look at where we were in 2008 on like the Nintendo DS compared to now, it's crazy. Like the technology is gonna develop to a point where you're probably gonna have like body filters and stuff like that. And they're probably gonna be such high quality that you maybe can put the facade on that you are and you just don't look that way. Yeah, without it making stuff in the background going like wiggle wiggle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saying like face filters, body filters are just going to get more extreme, more normalised, and that's only going to lead to an increase in things like procedures. I suppose it's just... image. Yeah, it's just our job to influence the next generation as much as possible to embrace themselves. Say something positive to round off. (laughs) 
I'm going on holiday for the first time since March 2020. Well done. Good for you. <laughs> so you are ha- at least you're having a little bit of a break before starting working. Yeah, but it's obviously it is a break, but I feel like I, I fly out on Thursday, so I need everything for holiday and work in order, basically, because I have a one-day break in between getting back. Sure. And but then like I said, the working from home thing is like just funny. Like it's just like, okay, cool. It's not really like I'm gonna I'm gonna be working from home, I'm pretty sure on my first day. So it's not like it's gonna be a crazy intense in London day. Yeah. That's the thing that, that I really do like about like this new working from home thing. And I think obviously like I'm not necessarily looking to get a new job at any point soon. Um but if I was and I had like a um like I, I used to hate that first day nerves of like and it was the fact that you had to like travel to get in first and like walk around and I would always get like sweaty and stuff and just be like oh like this really is ruining it but now the fact that you can literally do that from home first of all like yeah, yeah. that's one benefit I suppose although it is there is an argument that you get too comfortable but that's a debate for another day yeah definitely yeah we'll speak about that another day yeah but yeah, hope you have a nice time in Budapest and Barcelona. And I'll be back on my birthday and enjoy your birthday. Thank you. I will enjoy my birthday. Next time we see each other, we'll be... Oh my God, we'll both be a year older. Mad how that works. <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for tuning in today. Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Mango Masala Radio. And yeah, we'll see you next week, two to four on Pi Radio. Bye.